episode number 28. Women want to feel safe. We're going to talk about how to do that today with Women's World Magazine. This is the Crime School Radio Show, where industry experts discuss the business of fighting crime and prevention strategies for making places safe. Leading today's discussion is security expert, Chris McGoey. Welcome to Crime School. I received an email the other day from a woman's magazine and asked me questions if I had any specific crime prevention or personal safety tips as it related to women. Well, before responding, I thought about all the things I've produced over the years and come to the conclusion that most of the things that I do are more generic in nature that deal with all sexes of all different ages. It also occurred to me that women represent 50% of the population. They definitely have some crime risk potential that men don't have to endure. So I thought it would be important to take a look at this and maybe introduce a series of shows dealing with issues that are important primarily to women. So let's start out today by responding to Women's World magazine. So stay with me while I get the editor on the line, Hannah Chenoweth. We'll be right back. This is the Crime School Radio Show. After a short break, we will introduce today's special guest. a writer for Women's World magazine, and you're writing an article about how women can be safe, uh, both in their home and when they're out on the street, out in public. Yes, and for our readers, it's more targeted towards women that are like 40 and over, and more so like women that live alone that might have concerns, and sort of not like the fanciest new um, home security, but just practical advice that they can follow. I understand. With all of those limitations, it, it's a tougher class. It's a tougher situation when you're, mm-hmm. when you're alone, obviously. It gets tougher as we age, especially as we get uh, much older, like I'm getting to be. We, we're not as fast as we used to be. We can't see <laughs> as well as we used to. We can't hear as well as we used to. So our really our, our primary defenses is our life experience. I mean, that's one thing we gain just based on our environment. As we age, we're, we're better at reading our environment, and we've encountered many situations before, so we have a basis of understanding of, of when there might be danger or when there might be risk. And again, as we age, we're not teenagers any longer. We've either had personal experiences or friends had experiences or what we read on the, in the news about people in certain settings, how things might happen to them. So hopefully uh, all this wisdom will allow us to carry ourselves or to behave in a manner that's just safer. 
I mean, some of the obvious things, let's start with the most obvious and narrow down to sure. maybe the more complex. I mean, the most obvious is, is your environment. If you could live in a safe environment, you'll be safer. Now, that sounds like an oversimplification, but it, it's very true. If you could pick and choose where you live, if you have those options and that flexibility, that's going to lower your risk substantially. And a safer area is really a matter of zip code, uh, whether you, wherever you live in, the, in what state you live in, in what city you live in. Uh, big cities seem to be more risky, more dangerous, uh, simply because of the density. There's just more people out and about. So if you could reduce your, uh, your time, your exposure when you're out in public and all alone, uh, that's going to make you uh, safer. So that's kind of like tip number one, the broad generic one. Try to pick a safe location to the extent you can. Try to determine before you commit to buying property or in entering into a long-term lease, you try to understand what's the history of, of, of the property of your home. You know, has there been burglaries in the past? Have there been robberies or, or, or violent uh, type crimes? Uh, mm -hmm. that, that'll go a long way for you uh, in picking your place. Beyond that, once you're settled, wherever it is, hopefully you, have a good, you made a good choice, but if mm -hmm. factors require you to live in a certain location that is somewhat risky, then the next big thing that you have control over, and that's the major point, is your behavior and your lifestyle. Remember, I said the word control. We... Right. If we can control certain factors, and obviously that lessens our risk and makes us safer. So our lifestyle is one. Uh, if, you're, if you're out in public, if you're, if you're going out to bars or clubs, or if you're spending a lot of time out in public, it, it increases your risk, especially if, if you're in a big city. Most violent crimes occur at night. Uh, it starts going up drastically after 8 p.m. at night. So those that are not out in that environment, especially in bigger cities, you're going to be safer. So if you have control over where you go and when you go, and if you go alone or not with a group or with friends, that will also lower your risk. So planning uh, plays a lot in that. If you're in a somewhat risky environment, you could plan your way to a safer experience just by reducing you know, all of these uh, more risky exposures. Mm -hmm. and, and there's some examples when you're if you're planning a destination where you have to go by car, safe thinking would be for someone that goes to the same place, you know, more often for shopping or whatever. So you know the environment, you know the conditions that are there, you, you already know in advance what the parking situation is like, and you try to plan to the extent that you can, what time of day you're going to go, where you're going to park, and, and, and things like that. What kind of traffic will be out there in the parking lot? Uh, more people moving about the parking lot is safer. So um, things, so things like that. So planning errands, planning trips to safer times of the day. For parking lots um, that you just mentioned, I think that's definitely a big concern for a lot of people when they're like inevitably in a sort of deserted parking lot at night. Do you have any advice for when you find yourself in that situation? Well, while you're in the car, I have a a podcast on my crimeschool.com website where I talk exactly about this kind of thing. When you're in your car, your car is like your own little safety capsule, isn't it? Mm -hmm. If you're inside your car and the windows are rolled up and the doors are locked, 
It give, it's like a shield. It gives you more protection than you would have just standing or walking in a parking lot. So I encourage people as part of that planning scenario, if you could plan where you go and where you could park at what time of day, that's ideal. If you find yourself in a strange situation while you're in the car, your windows are up and your doors are locked, you're relatively safe. And I don't think you should roll down those windows or unlock the, the car or get out until you could discern to a certain degree that it's, it's safe. And it might be a matter of taking a lap around the parking lot once, maybe kind of scanning the area. You're mainly looking for young men hanging out. The people that are going to mug you, rob you, steal your purse are generally going to be young men. So that, that's my biggest piece of advice. These are, this is so simple that people just don't think about it. You don't have to get out of the car. As we get older, depending on what your upbringing is and your background, we tend to overtrust sometimes. Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself on the parking lot, you see some young men hanging out or sitting in another car, just sort of sitting there and maybe watching, you have to trust your instincts and trust your plan. Don't get out of the car. Or if the destination you're going to has valet parking, it, even if it costs a few dollars, if you're all by yourself and, and you're just not as fast as you, as you used to be, it might be worth the investment to have valet, you know, pick up your car and, and, and deliver it to you when you're coming back. That certainly adds a layer of safety. And sometimes I know I have clients that I work with, even celebrity type clients that have all these same questions. You know, we determine, you know, where are the places that might have that service, like at a hotel or at a shopping center or at a restaurant, and they will tend to favor those businesses that provide that additional valet parking service. So it just takes all that exposure to having you park your car in some remote, maybe dark place, and then walk by yourself. An another question I had is there's a lot of new apps that are coming out where um, you can like have a fake phone call or have an alert sent out to certain contacts. Um, what do you think about the apps? Do you think that they're worth looking into? No. No? That's the short answer. I'm old, mm -hmm. so maybe I'm handicapped in that area. <laughs> but there's not an app for everything, despite the marketing uh, that you hear about these things. If you're... Uh -huh. I want people to be alert. I don't want them looking at their phone, negotiating anything on their phone. I want them alert to their environment before they get out of that car. Then when they get out of that car, I want them to walk with intention to their destination and, and being alert to what's going on all around them, front, side, back, get to your destination, and then you can relax. Same way coming back to the car. I want people to walk with intention. I want to have the keys in their in their hand. So when they get in the car, they open it immediately, get inside, inside, close the door, and then lock the door. And again, you're back in your own little safety capsule where you have control again. And then you start your car, you drive away. Uh, this business of apps and being on your phone and texting people and trying to negotiate all of that while there's a threat approaching is foolish in my mind. It's, it's just high risk. There's no app that you could push that's going to send the cavalry fast enough to deal with the, the situation that's now right in front of you. Mm -hmm. Do you have the same opinion about the life-saving like jewelry trends, sort of, the like hair clips or bracelets that say that they'll send the police right away? 
nothing sends the police right away. There's no technology out there that rings the police department directly and that will send a priority response. Any signal you send out, any type of alarm is going to go through a third-party alarm company. Then they have to decipher what's the nature of the call. They have to try to figure out where you are. And if, if you're using cell phone technology, it doesn't mark, the X doesn't mark the spot. It just says, what's the nearest cell phone tower to you? So even if all this could happen at the speed of light and the police were notified, they don't know where you are exactly. And if you're in a garage, an underground garage, you know, the stereotype we always see in the movies is that there's no cell phone reception. So again, I don't believe you should be relying on apps. I'd rather you rely on, you know, your common sense, your intelligence. I want you to use all of your senses. I want you to plan in advance to minimize your risk as to time of day, location, who you go with. And then I want you to follow the scenario that I already outlined regarding your car. Stay in your car and be safe as long as you can. And then when you have to exit your car, move with intention to and from your destination. Is there any product that you would recommend, sort of, like mace or, um, I don't know, a knife, like a whistle, anything that you think that women should invest in to carry with them? Well, I'm, I'm not a product guy. I guess you figured that out by now. I'm not an app yeah. guy. I'm not a product guy. I want you to plan and I want you to reduce your risk so the odds of you being a victim are remote. It's a rare occurrence. Mm -hmm. So if you ignore, ignore all of those things, you don't plan, you, you, you engage in risky behavior or you, you are at risky locations and somebody does confront you, I think the best thing is, again, in the, going back to the planning scenario, to have played some what-if games with yourself. What would I do in this situation? What could I do? What can I do? And then try to prepare yourself better. Now, if it means taking a self-defense co course just to learn how to physically you know, defend yourself, then that would be something you should do. I think certainly young people should do that. Mm -hmm. uh, weapons with... Uh, and I, I don't want to sound sexist here, but with, uh, with women, this includes my wife, any product they're going to have is going to be down the bottom of their purse. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as a pepper spray or some chemical agent, if you're going to buy it, you need to be trained how to use it. I know many situations where individuals, men and women, will buy pepper spray, figuring that they'll use it someday, but they never do. It just gets put in the glove compartment of the car, down the bottom of the purse. They usually end up spraying the interior of the purse and the contents with the oh, pepper spray, or it's in there so long that the, the active ingredient or the, or the gas and the canister just uh, escapes and it's no longer useful. For pepper spray to work, it has to be current, it has to be uh, fully charged, and it has to be in your hand. So you have to have the presence of mind when you get out of the car getting ready to walk to your destination, you have that pepper spray canister in your hand with the thumb on the trigger. It's the same way with any other device. You name the device you want to carry. It has to be in your hand. It has to be ready to go, and you have to be trained how to use it. Otherwise, it's, it's not going to be effective. Almost every victim I've ever interviewed or any victim report I ever read, most will say, they never saw the attacker coming. 
Again, it's not like the movies where you see these people off in the distance 100 yards away. Mm -hmm. It's usually a surprise, and they pick the victim that's not paying attention. That's why I said before, if you just walk with intention and you're scanning your area, you're less likely to be a victim because they want the element of surprise. So if that's true, if victims are totally surprised, any device you might have that's not in your hand ready to go and you're not trained to use it is not going to do you any good. You're just simply not going to be able to get to it. Mm -hmm. Now, I find with, because I, I hold classes on things like this, and I speak to groups for many years about this, and uh -huh. I find that if people are just alert, when they're out in public in that parking lot and they step out of, car, out of the car, and they have the mindset that I've just described, and they're just paying attention, you're going to see things. You're going to see that potential threat long before that threat could get close to you. And you have time to alter your direction, to return to your car, to go left, to go right, to, do, to make a lot of decisions that will improve your safety drastically, including no longer being a viable victim because you're paying attention and you've spotted them. Mm -hmm. Now, that would give you time to get your cell phone out and get the app up and all these other things you're talking about <laughs> if you saw a potential threat there in, in, in advance or you could be on the phone with somebody but I also find that if you're paying attention, if you have that presence of mind when you come out of a store that there might be a threat, again, you're ready. You got your keys out, they're in your hand, you're, you're, you're taking a wide path towards your car, you're making sure there's nobody hiding out there in the parking lot, and, and you get to the car, you close the door, you lock it, you start it, you take off. We never hear about these people because they're hardly ever victimized. Mm -hmm. That's true. So if someone was to see, like they were paying attention and they noticed something and they're like on their way to get away, do you think it's smart to, to fake a phone call or is that kind of like a myth? Yeah, that's a myth. This is stuff for TV and, and movies for the most part. I mean, anything could work. Anything's possible. The best thing is distance. Uh -huh. An assailant eventually wants to get their hands on you. They want to get in clo close proximity and get their hands on you. Again, I talk to victims and I read reports about this person they saw approach them. They might have been panhandling. They might have been handing out flyers. They might have been pretending that they needed directions to go somewhere. And you're just trying to be a good Samaritan. And you'll talk to these people or you'll, mm -hmm. you'll give them uh, some change or whatever the case may be. And then they'll grab you. But it's all about proximity. So if you could just keep enough distance between you and them, you're far better off. Now, I know we talked about that many of the readers are, are older or women, but if you can increase your distance by walking fast or running, ideally, I mean, that's great. Put distance mm -hmm. between you and any perpetrator. And again, you'll hardly ever have a problem. You'll never be the victim. But for the people who just look ahead, they see a, a threat potentially, and they tell themselves in their mind, well, it's probably nothing, and you ignore your instincts and you walk right towards the threat. Figure they'll pass you by and they won't bother me. Well, I'm sorry to say these are the people that we read about, we see on the news that become victims. Mm -hmm. Good example is an elevator. You got this steel oh. box. And you're in the elevator and somebody steps on who really gives you the willies. I mean, you're just really scared. But mm -hmm. what do you do? Do you trust your instincts and step off and walk to where there's people? Or do you say, well, I don't want to embarrass that person and I don't want to 
you know, make a scene, so I'll, I'll just go ahead and ride along. Well, again, those are the people that sometimes we read about or, or I've talked to. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a meeting. I mean, have a, if you have a family, have a family meeting. If you're single, have a, a meeting by yourself. But come up with a plan, a family plan or a personal plan, and play what if. All these questions that you have are very, very good. What would I do in that situation? Mm-hmm. And once you decide I'm a runner, I'm a fighter, I'm a gadget person, I'm a weapons person, whatever I am, seek it out, find out what training, prepare yourself, so if that day comes, you can you can run, run, you can hide, you can fight, you can produce a weapon, you can get on your cell phone, whatever it is you decided is best in your scenario, you have a plan and you're ready to execute it. Then when that day comes, and, and frankly what happens, that day usually never comes. Right. Because you're alert, you're not oblivious. I could take you out to any shopping center in America this afternoon. And we could just sit in a car and just watch people. I mean, do it yourself. Do the exercise. You'll see that many people are just oblivious to their surroundings. They're on their cell phone. They're looking. They're texting. Whatever they're doing, they're just oblivious. And and anybody could sneak right up on someone anytime and accost them. And and there's your answer. So you decide for yourself: What can I do? What am I capable of doing physically? Uh, am I what fit am I enough to run? What am I capable of doing? <laughs> yeah, you have to make your own assessment. See, I can't just throw out one little piece of advice, right. you know, just do this, because one size doesn't fit all. So you have to come up with a strategy that works for you. If you're physically fit and you're a runner, run. If you got a set of lungs on you and you're in a public place, you know, you want to start hollering, if, if that helps. <laughs> you can always apologize later. Um <laughs> If you're a gadgeteer and you're really fast on your phone, I mean, some of these kids with one thumb could, boy, write, <laughs> write a whole uh, Gettysburg address in, in no time. I can't do that. <laughs> but if, if that works, but the phone a friend type of stuff or phone anyone doesn't give you an immediate response. Your need is here, it's now, and it's immediate. So you need to have a plan. Again, planning will set you free of most situations and allow you to avoid most situations. Now, I hear a lot of stories from victims and uh, about those that go out and drink or they're taking drugs or something. They're just not mm-hmm. sober. And then they go out to a nightclub and it's two or three in the morning and they're in a dark parking lot. Well, I'm sorry to say you've kind of set yourself up. Mm-hmm. Uh, poor planning, and you, you put yourself in a bad situation, and, you, and you're going to be vulnerable, and, you're, and you're, the possibility of you becoming a victim is much greater, all because of poor planning and, and kind of lack of, you know, following your plan. So for one thing that's, like, relevant, I think, coming up is going away for, like, summer vacation or a trip. Um, people have, like, the windows up because it's getting hot out. So what summer kind of adds like an element of vulnerability, I think. So is there anything you would say for someone that knows they're going on a vacation to maybe prevent being targeted when they're like not even home? Well, it's the same thing. Uh, I hate to keep uh, giving shameless plugs here, but on my (laughs) crimedoctor.com website and crimeschool.com website, I have a Uh podcast there where I go over all of these things. All of the tips are there for free. You can listen to how to prepare your home, how to prepare your apartment. But yeah, I can. I'll definitely put in that 
but readers can listen to these too. But from burglary, there's two different types of criminals out there. There's burglars that are property criminals. They don't want you home. They want you gone, either at work or to school or on vacation. And if they could discern that from the street by seeing an open window or some other sign that you're not home, they're going to target your house and try to take your stuff. The other type of criminal out there is a more dangerous one. He's the home invader. He's the robber. He wants you home because mm -hmm. he wants you to you know, take care of the dog, make sure the alarm system's not on, to show him where all the good stuff is. Or if he's target targeting you because he's seen you on the street and followed you home, possibly, he wants you home and, and you're the target. So those are two different uh, scenarios. So the, uh, where the home is the target, yes, no doubt it's a selection process. These burglars or these home invaders are looking for the easy target with the best escape routes. So there are things you could do about that. And there's a whole long list of things. Again, at uh, crimeschool.com, I have a podcast that go through it step by step. But basically, the obvious things are like the open windows from the street. They might pick you. If there are five houses in a row on your street and four of them have an alarm sign in the, in the lawn and you don't, you might be the obvious choice. Mm -hmm. um, if there's a dog, if three of the five have dogs and they, this is a sign, beware of dog, I got a beware of dog sign on my side gate fence. I don't own a dog. Mm -hmm. But burglars hate dogs. They don't want it barking at them. They certainly don't want a big one chasing them or biting them. So all those things work. Uh, most burglar, burglaries occur during the daytime. In most areas, people are gone during the day at work, at school, or if you're on vacation. Home invaders, to the contrary, like to work at night when you're likely to be home or on weekends. So lighting is really not going to make much difference during the day, but at night, lighting might make all the difference. So there's a lot of, a lot of different uh, variables. I think you can like buy those uh, dog stickers just like online, can't you? I thought you were going to ask me, what about fake dogs? <laughs> Technology. Oh, no. Well, that could be a thing. <laughs> you know, Hannah, uh, everything in the world is not online, but uh, yes, <laughs> yes, you could buy those online. You can go to some of the big box home improvement stores like the Home Depots, the Lowe's, and Ace Hardware and others. Uh, mm -hmm. They sell things like that. They have like a security section. Uh, where you can get alarm signs or alarm stickers. You can get a beware dog sign, a pet shop. Any big pet store is going to have uh, probably beware a dog sign. Uh, the other thing is the obvious stuff. Don't hide keys. I was going to ask that. <laughs> and gosh, Hannah, don't ask me about an app. Should you get an app on your phone to lock your door, unlock your door? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I didn't know that that was. Of course, there's, a, there's an app for everything. There's an app that will set your alarm. You set your alarm when you leave your house. You don't need an app for that. There's an app that will turn your lights on and off when you're on vacation. There's video uh, camera systems now that are uh, tied, that are computer-based, where you can, there's an app where you can go online and, and look at your cameras, see what, look at the interior of your house from your phone. There's even, <laughs> there's even an app where you can talk to your, if you have a pet at home who's lonely or barking. You could dial up this app and uh, speak to your pet 
online <laughs> and watch them. I mean, it, it's insane. It's probably a better idea to like give extra keys to a neighbor per se rather than yeah, hiding them anywhere. Yeah. There you go. God forbid we get to know our neighbors anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's a lost art. And that's something, again, that I, I really preach is get to know your neighbors for crying out loud. They're the ones who have a vested interest in you. They're, they're, if you're friendly with them and, and they like you, they're going to want to protect you just like their own family. And if you tell them that, hey, I'm going away for a three-day weekend, will you watch my house? The answer will always be oh, absolutely yes. I have a neighbor directly across the street who I've known for almost 20 years, and they have a key to my house uh, whenever I'm gone. And likewise uh, for them, uh, they keep an eye on the house. Sometimes they'll park their car in my driveway to make it look lived in. They might come in and raise the shades up and down from time to time just to make it look like someone's home, turn the lights on and off. If you have a mm -hmm. pet, they could feed your pet. If you have plants, they could water your plants. I mean, we borrow stuff, you know, ladders, tools, food is constantly going back and forth across the street. So we, you know, we, we manage that friendship where we care about each other. So when they're gone, we do the same thing. We take, we watch their house just like it's our own. And mm -hmm. that's the best app you could have <laughs> is, is that neighbor who will, who is capable of responding and dealing with situations. Well, the best app is really between your ears. The awareness. The awareness. If you, if you, if you just, if you're aware and you plan, I sound like I'm, you know, just beating a drum all the time about planning. If people will just sit down and plan. Uh, I take people out on the street in neighborhood groups sometimes, and we have an exercise where we're going to burglarize ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we'll stand in front of someone's house and, Everybody kind of chimes in, you know, how would you break into this house? What would you do? And it's amazing. I mean, people know it's obvious if they just take the time to look and observe, they could see, yeah, well, this is the way I would go. Here's a window I would go in. And we even got up the front doors and here's a key under the mat. Or it's in the flower pot or it's in the fake rock or or some such thing. And, and once people go through that exercise, they realize, wow, I didn't realize that. And then the other thing we do, eventually we move inside and we make sure that they have good strong doors and deadbolts. We just talk about not opening the front door. If someone knocks on the door or rings the bell, you have to teach yourself and anyone in your family, you just don't walk up and open the door these days. You have to know who's on the other side of that door. Now you mm -hmm. could talk through the door. If you don't know who it is, just say, sorry, I don't know who you are. Go away. Right. Uh, you have to, so again, that's planning. If you have children or grandchildren around, you teach them. If someone rings a bell or knocks on the door, you don't run to the door and open it. That's, mm -hmm. that's a no, no. And that, that will solve a lot of problems. And you, you have a routine at night. Uh, my wife and I, we take a lap around the house and we all double check each other. We make sure all the doors are locked, all the windows are closed and latched. And, and it's just mm -hmm. a routine. It's something you don't have to think about. It's automatic. That's kind of the way our life is, unfortunately. Now, maybe our level of paranoia is higher than the average person because of what, you know, what we do for a living. Right. <laughs> but really. when we go out in public, it's the same thing. It's almost subliminal. We just don't pay attention to it anymore. But I am constantly mm -hmm. scanning my environment. Anytime I'm in a parking lot, I've already scanned it. I park in a certain place for a reason. When we walk someplace, it's with intention. I'm paying attention to what's going on. 
If I go into a new business or a restaurant, I'll pick a table where I can see, you know, the entrance, or I'll sort of make note of where the escape routes are, just like on an airplane. So those are the things that if you want to adopt a safe life, these are things that you have to do. People want to learn more, again, they can go to crimeschool.com, and there's podcasts there that cover all this subject matter. All right, thank you so much, Hannah. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I try to present a variety of educational topics, but keeping with the theme of making places safe for people and property. The subject matter of Crime School is influenced by your feedback, so I encourage you to tell me about your ideas for future discussion. I'm always looking for a guest. If you have a particular crime or loss prevention expertise, you have a special legal background about liability, you have an interesting crime prevention product to review, or if you're a crime victim with a motivating story and outcome to share, I want to talk to you. I invite you to join the Crime School community. We're all like-minded people. You could provide your email address on any web page, any opt-in form on the Crime School website. In this way, you'll receive immediate notification of any new audio or video episodes or any special events for that matter. Thank you for participating in Crime School and for doing your part in making places safe. This is the Crime School Radio Show with your host, Chris McGoey. We invite you to comment on today's topic and join the Crime School community. For more information and show notes from this episode, please visit crimeschool.com.